Welcome, welcome Parkview, welcome campuses, welcome online. Um, I want to say a special word, New Linux. Welcome, glad you guys are here. A special word to Homer because big kind of a, I don't know, you know, it's not groundbreaking because we we're, we're, we got the drywall up at our Homer campus. And if you're, if you're like, what the heck is he talking about? We're one church on three campuses. We have a campus on Homer Glen, 159th, right by Denolfo's there in Homer Glen. And uh, we needed more kid space and more foyer space. So we are expanding it. And uh, this weekend, everybody's over drawing scriptures, writing scriptures on the wall before the paint goes up just to kind of dedicate uh, the new part of the facility. And we're really excited about that. Just want you to know, um, you know, what you do and your generosity and you're part of a bigger thing than you probably even realize. Even if you are listening at the Homer Glen campus, I'm telling you, we're, we're excited for you. Can we just clap for that? You guys are growing. We're doing a great job. So, so we're doing a, a series called Overwhelmed because we all feel overwhelmed, right? Can't even answer because you're just like, no, oh, I don't. Don't add one more thing to me, okay? I read, I read a stat this week, that, uh, or last week, that, you know, 40% people are more anxious this year than they were last year. <clears throat> I read a story about a guy who was driving his truck in the panel truck, you know, and he's driving down the road, and every time he'd stop, he'd, he'd get out with a two-by-four, and he'd whack the side of the, uh, of the panel van. He'd just get out and run around and whack it, and then he'd go on, and wherever he hit another stop sign and another, uh, another stoplight, he'd get out, and he'd whack it again, and, and people were following him, and some, somebody finally, you know, behind him was like, dude, what? I, I, keep, I see what you're doing. What are you doing? And the guy's like, oh, well, I, I got a two-ton truck, and I got four tons of canaries. So I got to keep some of them up in the air all the time. Does that sound familiar? That's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? I told you two weeks ago, if you heard that sermon, that I'm not really doing well on this either, and I promised I was going to fix it. Well, I didn't, okay? And you want to know why? You may need to write this down, okay? Um, you can't fix stupid overnight, Okay. I mean, it's just the truth. You can't fix stupid over, overnight. Like when you get into debt, we know this. We've all had, you know, times when we're like, oh, what happened? It's going to take some time. You're going to have to live on budget for a while. Debt doesn't just evaporate. I mean, you can declare bankruptcy from a financial standpoint, but that's hard to justify if you're just, you know, if you just made bad decisions to do it. And here's what I want to tell you. You do not want to declare bankruptcy with your life. Do you know what that looks like? Some of you do. I mean, your, your spouse files for divorce. You, you end up in the hospital with a major medical issue because you're just in, in, in time debt. You're in overwhelmed debt. You end up as, a, as an addict to something. You don't want to do that, okay? So let me tell you a little lesson. God allowed me this week, and, and I'm going to teach from Dr. Seuss in the Bible today. Are you with me? So uh, amazing, amazing week. Uh, I got to be in Nashville for this event that uh, Dave Ramsey, the money guy, does for uh, large church pastors. He just invites us in and takes really cool care of us. And, and we learn and, and we talk about stewardship and we talk about, you know, just what's going on with our churches. And, and, and then I got to do chapel for their company. They have 700 employees. I got to do chapel for their company on Wednesday morning. My son-in-law works there. And uh, then I was coming back because I, we hosted Andy Stanley and some of the best minds in Christianity around here for Orange Conference and a, and a church leadership conference here. So it was just a whole lot of important week of connecting with important people. So on the way back from Nashville, I drove because I'd rather drive than fly because I have control issues, okay? And, and, and so I drove. On the way back, I get 20 minutes out of Nashville, and, and we just come to a dead stop. I mean a dead stop. 
you know, obviously there's a wreck up in front of us. That's all we had heard, and, and we're going nowhere. And it's, in, uh, it's on I-24 when you're coming out of Nashville, and, and there's like, you know, cliffs on both sides and guardrails and, you know, and, and, and a divided highway. There was literally no place to go, and we were stopped for two and a half hours. Do you remember me complaining about L.A. traffic a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. God was just kind of like, Two, I'm not kidding, two and a half hours. My wife helped a pregnant lady because she was like, you know, my wife's been there, done that. She's like, you probably need to go to the bathroom, don't you? I mean, you know, because everybody's out wandering around. It's like, so Denise went up to a Winnebago and, hey, can this pregnant lady use your bathroom? I mean, I mean it was that kind of thing going on. It was just crazy. So I flipped up... Uh, this is a back seat of my truck. I flipped up and made a work desk out of the back seat of my truck on my pickup. You can see the line of traffic on my head. I mean, I'm, I'm, the sun's on the other side, so I went over on the non-sun side. And, and, you know, my problem with my work is it's always with me. And I started working on what I'd already kind of started for this, for this message. And I just laughed as I went back and thought about week one when I said red lights happen, right? R red lights happen. That's always going to happen. And, and here I am. So I started working on this message, and I'll tell you where it came from, and then you can decide if there were too many truck fumes on I-24 while I was stopped, okay? <laughs> Back in 1979, there were two famous studies that were done on, on time management and, and planning in our lives and how this works. Douglas Hofstadter was, uh, came up with one law. I don't know how, how you get to have a law in psychology, but he came up with this. Hofstadter's law is any task that you are planning to complete will always take longer than expected. That's a law, boys and girls, okay? I mean, we all knew that, but, but, but Hofstadter got to put his name on it. I don't know what my law will be someday. I hope I get one. Okay, then also about that time, uh, Amos Tversky, who is another psychologist, famous uh, study team he had behind him, expanded it to what he called the planning fallacy. So it's not just that everything's going to take longer, but it's that we're stupid about how everything is going to take longer. It's this. Even though our past predictions about how long something would take were overly optimistic, we're convinced that our current predictions are totally realistic. That's a planning fallacy. This is why some of you get up, as some of you that are list makers, you get up every morning and you make your list, you know, to-do list. And it seems really reasonable to you. You think, oh, yeah, I can get all this done in one day. And then you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, that was stupid. I don't know how I thought I could get all that done. I mean, this is ridiculous. I didn't get everything done. I don't know what I was thinking. And then you get up the next morning because sleep does something to your brain. You get up the next morning and you make another list just like the one that you had yesterday and you add all the stuff you didn't get done yesterday to the list that you already have, okay? Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's planning fallacy, all right? It's gonna take longer, and your estimation of how long it's gonna take is also really messed up. So what that means is that our thinking patterns have to change. So as I worked on this message in the middle of Tennessee, my thoughts went to uh, one Bible verse and Dr. Seuss, okay? So let's start with Dr. Seuss because this is how it feels. Look at me, look at me, look at me now. It's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. I can hold up the cup. I can milk in the cake. I can hold up these books and the fish on a rake. I can hold a toy ship and a little toy man. And look, with my tail, I can hold a red fan. I can fan with the fan as I hop on the ball, but that is not all. Oh, no, that is not all. That's what the cat said. <clears throat> then he fell on his head. He came down with a bump from up there on the ball. And Sally and I, we saw all the things fall. 
We saw all the things fall. How does that happen? Well, we overestimated our abilities, planning fallacy, and we broke Hofstadter's law, you know, that everything's going to take longer. And we saw all the things fall. The reason, that, the reason that came back to my mind is because one of the speakers that Dave Ramsey had come in and, and talked to us uh, was a guy named Stephen Mansfield, international best-selling author and leadership coach. And he did a little session for all of us on 10 signs you're heading for a crash. I mean, it's pretty practical because, you know, I mean, you, you, you got people, I mean, I think, I think there were, there were, I think there were 40 pastors and we represented 400,000 people every weekend in average attendance from these churches. And you know the stories, a lot, a, a lot of people go down when they're in that kind of leadership. And just so you know, there was a list of 10 and I went through the list of 10 and I think there's only two that I've got a problem with, maybe three, maybe four, but lying's not on there. So I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> And the, and the first one, I just got, I got to throw this out because I just need to. The, the first one was, was not realizing you've stayed too long, not realizing you've, you're past your season. And I just want to tell you, man, as soon as he said that, I do not think that's where I'm at. I think I'm in the best season I've ever been in. I don't really care what you think. I think I'm in the best season I've ever been in. So I'm going to take a three-month sabbatical next summer. I'm learning how to do this stuff so that I can come back and finish the rest of my career strong. But we talked a lot about high-profile people and leaders that we've seen crash. We saw all the things fall, and, and we just went through this list. And when you, if you know the stories of high-profile people who've crashed, you're like, oh, man, yeah, they were really on the wrong track. And if you can identify those, it makes a, it makes a ton of difference. But, but if, you, if you ignore the planning fallacy, if you ignore Hofstadter's law, you're headed for a crash. So then here's the Bible verse that really came to mind, Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully at how you walk. I mean, literally what this is saying is walk accurately with intellectual thoroughness, okay? This is not about watch out for the things, the dangers that are coming. I mean, if you ride a motorcycle, you know you gotta look, you gotta look for the things that are coming at you. This, this is not just defensive driving and looking out that way. It's, it's about making sure that we see the right way to go so that we're not wasting our time, all right? Again, look carefully then at how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, all right? Making the best use of the time, literally redeeming the time. Literally, you're, you're buying little pieces of time every day, so think about it that way. How are you going to spend your time? You're investing your limited amount of minutes in exchange for opportunities that are going to happen in the day. And here's what's really different about this, okay? It's not, it's not like money. Okay, we can talk about debt and financial debt and money and all that stuff all the time if we want to, but, but you can't, you can earn more money. You can save money for later. Time doesn't work that way. So make the most of your time is the most, probably one of the most important things we do on this earth because the days are evil and we can decide if we're going to make the most over, uh, if we're going to make the most of every opportunity, if we're going to overspend over here, then what does that mean? If we have the planning fallacy and we think that it's not going to take very long, but it does. And that messes us up. Okay. That's what we're talking about. So since I started with 
with Dr. Seuss and juggling. Let me just bring you back to juggling and, and do this all together, give you three things that, that God gave me, I think, this week about how we handle things in our life, okay? Maybe they're for me, not for you, but I'm gonna share them. This is what it is, okay? First one is kind of obvious, but you should not juggle more than you can handle, all right? I can juggle one ball, okay? Pretty good, right? I can, I can juggle two balls, is that impressive? Right? I, I could even do two hands. Okay? Can I juggle three balls? Been a little uh, disappointed because I thought I used to be able to juggle three balls, and it's not been going well since I started practicing again yesterday, but let's see what happens. Okay? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? I did it. Oh, yeah. That one's going on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Okay? Can I juggle four balls? Well, you saw, you saw three, right? You're like, no, put that one up, PT. That's not happening, okay? What, what, is it, what is this all about, okay? This is about knowing what I can do. This is about measuring what I can do, okay? This is not about watching out for what else is going on over there. This is about knowing what I can do. Jesus told a parable. He said, you know, one, the king gave five talents to one guy, two talents to another guy, and one talent to another guy. Why, why does that happen? I don't know why that happens. Some of you can juggle six tennis balls at, at a time. Some of you can only do one at a time. I probably can't. I know I can't do three balls for very long. I'm getting lucky so far on stage because God's being nice to me. I know what I've got to do, okay? And even at different stages of life, you've got to figure that out. So the problem is I could learn to juggle the fourth ball, but I'm going to drop all the balls a lot while I'm learning to juggle the fourth ball. Are you with me? In the early stages, one red light happens, even if one red light happened, you know, if one of you blew on me while I was trying to do three balls, I, I would have dropped one. And, and the planning fallacy gets out of control and everything gets messed up, okay? So if you constantly overspend your money, you get the problem. If you constantly overspend your energy, you get the problem, your health, your relationships. But this is probably the most finite thing that we have. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. If we start thinking about that that way, it makes a whole lot of difference. And here's, here's one thing that's really been an important concept I read this week from somebody. He said, we tend to look at our lives like a car and, and we think that we can add more to it. And if, we add, if you add more to your car, it, you know, it's just, it's going to slow down. It might wear out faster. It might even break down, but, but it, you're just going to get out and go get a different car, right? You're just going to go on. And this is my favorite picture. When I started thinking about that, <laughs> this is a guy that went into Home Depot and, and wanted that much lumber on the top of his Jetta. You can see kind of his wife in the passenger seat over there, uh, or what used to be his wife in the passenger seat over there, her, her you know, steam coming out of her ears. He went into Home Depot. The, the manager at Home Depot said, no, 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 no. Finally, the guy said, I want this on my car. So the guy made, made him sign a waiver because he knew that, that a Jetta could not handle that much lumber, okay? So the guy didn't make it out of the parking lot, and kaboom. The funny part about this picture is what you can't see is that there are 10 80-pound bags of concrete in the trunk and the back seat as well, okay? Brain surgeon, right? Yeah, okay, right. But, but, but the thing about that is I, I, I use that picture a lot when I talk about this thing. The problem with that is 
we're not cars. This is one of the writers I was reading this week said, we're not cars, we're planes. And when you overload a plane, it doesn't just, you know, stop, it crashes. So, so when the psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, it's really important. So here's a number you need to remember. 27,375. That's not my garage code. I'm not inviting you over. 27,375 is the days of your life, okay? Average person lives to be 75, and, you know, that's what you get, 27,375 days. So if you're 25, you've only got 18,250 left. I'm going to do this. If you got 30, 16,400. If you're 40, 12, 7, okay? If you're 50, 9,100, right? 60, 5,400, stop, stop, stop. You only got 1,800 left. Listen, mom and dad, I know you're watching this. You guys are 1,900 days in the bonus right now. Congratulations. We're really happy for you. And I know it's not because you eat right and take care of yourself, so way to go, okay? The, the way I look at that, if you, you see what that does to you, if, like, if, I'm a, if I'm a plane and I'm not a car, then I'm going to pay way more attention to this. And if I've got 6,500 days left on earth, I mean, maybe i got good genes, maybe I'll get to go longer. This is why we need to not juggle more than we can juggle. Parents, man. How many, how, I mean, if your kids are at home, how many balls can you do at one time? Man, I'm talking about sports and activities. I'm, I'm challenging all of us to go home and, and talk to the people in your home and go, okay, how, are we, how is this planning fallacy working for us, okay? How are we doing with all this thing? And remember this verse, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time. Maybe, maybe you go to your, your kids and you go, guys, remember when we used to only bug, juggle two balls? Remember how much better life was then? Maybe it's time we drop some of them. Johnny, you're not likely to play Major League Baseball and NFL, NFL football, you know? So um, maybe we need to, you know, maybe we need to do this. Susie, gymnastics and dance and soccer and music, I mean, it's just not going to work. Because you guys know what's going on, and it's true for all of us. If you're juggling so much and your schedule is so tight, you get one too many red lights, you get one wreck on I-24, and the whole thing is going to come crashing down. And it's not just that your car is going to stop and you're going to have to buy some new shocks for the back seat. It's, it's, a, it's a plane. You should not juggle more than you can handle. Look carefully at how you should walk, not as the unwise, but as wise making the best use of your time because the days of, are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What does God want? It's time to have a conversation. The second thing is, is that you cannot let other people add to your juggling. All right, Lainey, come, come on out and help me with this, okay? I, I mean, I know you probably are already guessing how this is going to go, but Lainey decided she'd help me. And I'm going to try four balls. And you know, I mean, you can do four balls like by yourself, or you can have somebody throw it in. So I thought maybe it'd be better if she just threw one in. Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> you can't let other people add to your juggling. So I want to, I want to, let me, let me just, let me just read you a scripture, Okay. The apostles gathered around Jesus and report to him all they had done and taught. 
Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, this is the verse I used the first week, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. What did Jesus do there? Jesus is like, hey, um, there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people are trying to add balls in to what we're doing. We can't take any more. As a matter of fact, we need to just set them all down and, and just go rest for a little while. I want to recommend a book to you called Boundaries. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, a couple of psychologists who wrote this together. Um, best-selling book. I, I was talking to someone this week, and they said, uh, they were telling me their, their issues, and I'm like, you need to read Boundaries. And they said, oh, I've had five people tell me that. Maybe you ought to read the book then, Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> what, what am I talking about boundaries? Jesus set boundaries. Even though there were needs out there, he didn't let other people add to what was going on. Boundaries are property lines. And some of you are so good at juggling stuff that you can actually juggle and people can throw stuff in from the outside and you can do it all at the same time. Good jugglers can do this. But the problem is we all have our own yards, right? We all have our own fences. And if we don't have our own boundaries and we're just letting other people add to them, then our life is going to crash, okay? You say, was that okay? Well, Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yes, it's okay to have boundaries. You need to read this book if this, if this is like ringing a bell for you. I'll, I'll give you one example. Henry Cloud wrote about this in his book. He said, I had a, I had a couple come to me with a, with a son, and, and he's a psychologist in a, in a major hospital. And he said, I had people come to me, and, and, and the father said, I need you to fix my son. And Henry said, I turned to the son, and I'm like, well, what, what, what's going on, son? And, and, and the boy said, it's not me, it's my brother. And Henry said, well, where's the son that has the problem? Oh, he's not here. He doesn't think he has a problem. Henry's like, okay, well, uh, explain this to me. Well, he's, he's 23 now. He's uh, been smoking dope since he was 15. He flunked out of three colleges. And, Doc, I've tried everything. I mean, when he flunked out of the first college, I thought it was probably dorm life that was the problem. So I got him into another college, and, and I bought him a condo right near campus because I thought, you know, maybe if he lived by himself, that would, that would be okay. And he flunked out of that college, and then he, I got him in another college, and he flunked out of that, and, and it's just not going very well. And Dr. Cloud said, well, where is he now? And the dad said, he's in Vail. Like Colorado skiing, yeah, yeah, he, he's in he's in Vail skiing. And Dr. Cloud turned to the dad and said, "Listen, I can't help him. He doesn't have a problem. You, I can help you because you have a drug problem. You have a college problem. You are in a psychiatric hospital talking to a psychiatrist, and he's out skiing. You have the problem. He doesn't." He's dumped his problem on you. I can help teach you how to make sure he has some problems. <laughs> but I can't really help him, okay? That's, a, that's about boundaries. And again, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a topic I can't possibly touch in, in this sermon. But if people are always dumping all their stuff on you, I recommend the book because you're going to end up crashing your plane while other people are throwing stuff in. And if you're overwhelmed right now, it's reasonable to ask yourself, is it you who's trying to juggle too much 
Or is it other people who are throwing their stuff into your pile and asking you to juggle it for them? Okay? Just read the book. Boundaries. Three, you have to be most careful with the precious things that you juggle. Okay? The problem with juggling, the tennis ball illustration was going really great until I started thinking about the fact that making the best use of time is kind of about the fact that that doesn't mean that everything is equal. I mean, really what that means is there are evil opportunities, there are good opportunities, and there are even insignificant opportunities. It's making the best use of the time, not just time. It's not about being productive. It's about prioritizing the things that are going on. So you're your life is really more like this, okay? Are you ready for this? <laughs> so, <laughs> neither am I. Don't worry, Mom. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to really do it. But, they, but this, is, this, is, this is what I'm talking about, okay? Tennis ball, sharp knife, precious moments, wedding gift that's 34 years old that sits on our dresser in our bedroom, okay? Some stuff is just a tennis ball, Okay, it's it's take out the trash, it's pay the bills, watch TV, whatever. Some stuff is just a tennis ball, really doesn't matter that much. Some stuff is really important and really dangerous. Okay, this would be how you handle your money. This would be how you handle your 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 health. You know, and the problem if you've seen people juggle knives, you know, or chainsaws or crazy stuff like that is, I mean, it's not. You got to catch it the right way, and you got to be careful because if you drop that thing and it sticks in your foot, you're gonna have a problem. So some stuff is just a tennis ball, and some stuff is a knife. You know, that's dangerous. But but even more important. Importantly, some stuff is precious, like the precious moments, okay? Like, like what's precious? They asked Jesus, what's the most important thing in, in, in life? And Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, your neighbor, is, the first neighbor is the one that lives in your house, okay? And we're going to talk more about this next week. But, but you know, I mean, like, if I'm, if I'm juggling, what I've got to do is I've got to decide if something's got to fall, I've got to decide what the priority is. I've got to decide what's the most important. And this is a bad idea, but this is, this is no big deal. This is a bad idea. This is the worst idea because I'd rather stick myself in the foot with a knife then, then break this. Let me give you a, a story. The life of Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus one day. And they're having this great conversation. And it gets to be lunchtime. And Martha, because Martha's the to-do list person, she's like, oh, we need lunch. And, you know, she's got the gift of hospitality. So she's going back and she's making lunch. And Mary, her sister, doesn't get up. Mary just sits there. Because she's talking to Jesus for crying out loud. And, and, and at some point, you know, Martha literally comes out. And she kind of, I think she marches on out and she says, Jesus, will you tell Mary to get in the kitchen and help me? I don't want to do this all by myself. This is in Luke 10. Look, look for it. Look, look, look at it yourself. And now what does Jesus say? I mean, I, Jesus likes food, but the translation here is, Lord said to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset over all these details. Just call Lou Malnati's. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, only one precious thing being concerned about, worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. 
And food's important, okay? We, I get it. It's great. I want, I want dinner. I want to eat, okay? But, but lunch is a tennis ball. What I'm saying is that there are some things that you got to pay attention to because they're dangerous, but, but what we've really got to do is pay attention to the stuff that is precious, that's too precious to drop. I've been a pastor for 35 years. I've done hundreds of memorials and funerals, and never once have I heard a testimony at a funeral where somebody said, man, this, this guy got a lot done. He was amazing at to-do lists, you know? Really productive. He could juggle 10 tennis balls at the same time. I've never heard that at a memorial service. What I've heard is this, okay? This is never important. This is not really important. This is what's important. This person impacted me because of the way that they looked carefully at how they walked, not as unwise as wise, and they made the best use of their time because they numbered their days and made the best use of their time. And some of the hardest stories are when people are at those times and they're grieving, not just for the person who's gone, but they're grieving over what could have been if that person would have figured out how to number their days. If that person would have figured out how to make the best use of their time. And that's what we need. If there's anything your teenagers, your children need, it's time. They don't need more lunch. They don't need more of this, okay? If there's anything your spouse needs, it's not more of this. It's not a bigger house. What they need is this. What they need is you. And I promise you, based on what God's word said, you will never regret choosing what matters most, even if it means cutting back on some of the things that are going on, some radical decisions. Because here's the deal. Oops, because here's the deal. The things you are juggling do not have equal value, all right? Don't drop this. But seek first, Jesus said, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Stephen Covey uh, wrote another book I highly recommend, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he uh, he uses this illustration, he got it from a college professor, about the, uh, about the jar, about the jar that represents your life. And what he does is he, he takes this jar, this professor would take this jar, and he would take these rocks, these, these rocks, and he would put them in, and he would say, okay, this represents your life. Everybody get it? Okay, yeah, all right, all right. Now, here, this also represents your life. You see what I'm doing here? Little rocks, you can, you, can, you can fit more. And then he would turn to the class and he would say, all right, is this jar full? And everybody would be kind of like, oh, no, I get it now. No, no, it's definitely not full. And he would take some smaller rocks and he would sprinkle them in and he would watch them as they, as they came down and they sprinkled down in. And he would say, okay, is the jar full now? And they would say, no, no, of course it's not because they could tell that he had more stuff and he would take sand and he would put sand in there and he would say, see, look at this. Look at the sand go in there. Okay, is this, is this jar full now? And they would say, no, you know, and they're getting into it by that time because then he would take his water and he would pour it in and he would say, look how much water I can still get in this jar. If this jar represents your life, what do you think my point is? And his students would always say, you can always get more in. And the professor would say, no, that's not it. You got to make sure you get the big rocks in first. 
That's the point. Let's pray. Lord, help us. We are crazy people with crazy lives, and we need to number our days and realize that we don't have that many more. We need to make the best use of our time. We need to realize that we're juggling some things that are probably not important, and we're juggling some things that really are important. And Lord, we don't want to be the cat in the hat. None of us, none of us, none of us want for Sally to see all the things fall, and we see it happen too often. Teach us to number our days. Give us your wisdom. Help us to know what's really important. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.